Proverbs chapter 29. I'm going to save a few of these verses in Proverbs 29 for Sunday. We were talking last time about contending with foolishness. And the last couple of verses about the foolishness we need to contend with in our children will save those and deal with that on Sunday night, God willing. But tonight we want to pick up the reading in verse number 20, Proverbs 29 and verse number 20. The Bible says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Well, that's pretty stiff. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Whoso is partner with a thief, hateth his own soul. He heareth cursing, and bereath it not. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. An unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. If I had to entitle the verses that we'll be dealing with tonight, it would be it would be this, it would be controlling our spirits. You know, as we look in the New Testament about the fruit of the Spirit, if we're filled with the Spirit of God, there are a lot of things that are true about us. And the last thing that's true about us, if we'll yield our, ourselves to the Spirit of God, is He will bring forth temperance in our life. And someone that's full of temperance is... Of course, that word was used, the temperance society. That's people that said no to alcohol. And really the word temperance has to do with a lot of things in moderation that you would say no to yourself about. It, it wouldn't have to be one vice or another vice. It's just that controlling agent of the Holy Ghost where you can say no to the things that your flesh desires to indulge in. And some of those things aren't tangible. Temperance has to do with things on the inside of you as well. And I think you understand today that people are out of control. They're just out of control. And some of them are saved people out of control. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live that way. Well, God's book of wisdom talks about some things that, that how the Spirit of God can control our spirits and how in what a necessity it is. So we'll start in verse number 20 in Proverbs 29 where it says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than of him. So we need to control our spirit in regards to the words that we say. Now he said this so many times in the book of Proverbs that you would think it's a broken record, but it's not a broken record because we repeat the same sad tune. 
We need to hear these verses over and over again because we are guilty and we fail over and over with these things. You know, it'd be great if you could hear one message on the control of your tongue and the rest of the year you don't have a problem with it. But that's probably not reality. So God repeats things over and over again. So he, he lets us know how serious it is for you to be so out of control that you're hasty in your words. You're hasty. That You're too quick to say something. He says there's more hope of a fool than of him. That, that is such a condemnation. I mean, the book of Proverbs has told us a lot of terrible things about fools. I mean, the Bible even says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. But God says if you're hasty in your words, there's more hope for a fool than you. That, that's, that's pretty serious. So the first thing I need to see is, is the Lord helping me control my tongue? And if not, I need to, I need to pray about that every day, just like I had some other type of addiction. I need, I need God. Now we looked at that just not long ago in verse number 11 when we were there in the same chapter. He said, a fool uttereth all his mind. We talked about that, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. But you know, you can't keep things in if you're not under control. Guys, I know things are down in there, but they don't have to come out. There are a lot of words in there that don't ever need to come out. But they will if the Spirit of God is not in control of you. If the Spirit of God is not in control of me. He said in, uh, just hold your finger there, go to Ecclesiastes, the next wisdom book here, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Hasty. Hasty in your word. Now, this is not even necessarily angry words. This can be, can be you talking before you think. It may not even be an angry thing. That's the next verse. It may just be you saying something that you didn't think about before you said it. So it can cover a lot of ground here. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, here's something about our, our words and and how they are before God. Ecclesiastes 5.2 Be not rash with thy mouth and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth therefore let thy words be few. You know what that tells you? That tells you that God's listening to what we say. He's, he is a participant. He is a listener to the conversation. So he said, you know, don't be hasty what you say because the Lord's listening. And uh, let your words be few. Wouldn't it be so much better if we would think before we speak? That's usually not the norm. I feel and then I speak. Not I think and speak. James chapter 1. I don't know about you, but I, I want a spiritual life. I want a spiritual home. I want a spiritual church. And the tr- truth about all that is, all the men in our church can have nice haircuts. All the women in our church can dress modestly. And if our tongues are out of, are out of control, we have a carnal church. And that's not, that's not what we want. We want God to be in control of us. In James, he says, James chapter 1 Verse number 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We're going to see that in the next verse in Proverbs 29. But the first place we need control of, here, here's the truth. You will not be able to control your temper if you can't control your tongue. Because it's just, it's, it's the same root problem, being out of control. So he says, be slow to speak. Uh, I was driving today and I reminded myself why I don't have scripture verses on my car. Because I'm not a good representation of Jesus Christ in my car. I drive way too fast. I mean, I drive, I drive so fast that I pass people and I'm embarrassed after I do that. And then I speed up further because I don't want them to catch up to me to know who I am. You know, you get in trouble when you do things too fast. And you know what we do too fast? We speak too fast. We are too quick to speak. And too slow to hear. We need to be swift to hear. We need to be listening. Listening. We have all had conversations with people. And in the middle of the conversation, you stop and you say, you know, I didn't listen to a word you just said. So God says we need to be swift to hear and slow to speak. And if we were that way, it prob- if we were in that much control, we probably would get to that slow to wrath part. In James chapter 3, he deals a whole chapter on the tongue. And to show you how important it is in your Christian life, he says in verse number 2 of James 3, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits. I'm in verse 3 of James 3. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. Not just talking about lost people, talking about saved people that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. He says in verse 8, The tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Ten out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, that's written, say people these things ought not so to be. You say, well, if the tongue can no man tame, then what do we do? Well, that's the whole point. For your tongue to be under control, the Holy Ghost has got to be in control of you because you are not going to be able to control your tongue. But if the fruit of the Spirit's in your life and you have... T- guys, that's, everything in our lives is connected with us being right with God and walking with God. And if we don't, everything gets out of whack. And so if I walk in the Spirit, then I'll have temperance. And if I have the temperance I need, then my spirit, I'll be in control of the words that are trying to come out of my mouth that I don't need to be hasty to let them come out of my mouth. So the control of our spirit in regards to words. Go back to our text. There's the next thing which follows right on the heels of it as we saw in James chapter 1. He said in Proverbs 29 in verse number 22, An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. 
So we need to be control, in control of our spirit regarding our anger. An angry man stirreth up strife. A furious man aboundeth in transgression. You know, anger is not always wrong. Jesus was angry, God's angry in the Bible, but it's, it's angry at the things that it's supposed to be, he's supposed to be angry about, and that's wickedness and sin. And most of the anger issues that people have, they're not angry with their self about their sinful behavior. They're angry with someone. And the anger is usually out of control. The Bible says about charity, charity is not easily provoked. You can provoke charity. You can provoke God, but not easily. It takes a lot. So my question is, how long is your fuse? How in control are you of your fuse? You know, we have a generation of of people that are so out of control that it'll take one thing and they'll start killing people. And then they'll go to their neighbors and say, how'd this guy kill all these people? I, and they'll say, I don't know. I thought he was a great guy. What, what, what's the deal with all that? I, and, and the mom and dad says, I don't understand that. You know, he was just, you know, she was just this way. He was just that way. We didn't think he was anything wrong with him. He wasn't a maniac. But you know what it was? It was a volcano down on the inside. See, guys, the problem is not what we do. The problem is what is brewing on the inside. And so that's what we need God to help us with, to help us with our anger. So you need to examine your heart. I need to examine my heart. We need to find out why we're so mad. Quit being mad. Because the Bible says, an angry man stirreth up strife. You know, that's, that's, a, that's such an ironic statement. You know what people do when there is strife? They get more angry. We're not talking about the children issue tonight, but we'll do that on Sunday night by the grace of God. You know what? I, you know what I've noticed parents do. Now, here's a kid that gets out of control with some sin problem, and so the parent goes nuts, thinking that if I'll get louder, then I will take care of the strife. If I'll scream, then they'll back off. No, the anger just stirs up more strife. You say, do you not get angry when you discipline? No, you don't. And if you do, you're not doing it right. Guys, we have, there have been so many children that have been ruined, if I could use that word, out of angry discipline. I believe in discipline. We'll talk about it Sunday. I probably believe it more than you, than you want me to believe in it. But not with anger. And this, this is what, not just what we do with children. When we have a situation that's full of strife or a problem, people normally just blow up. And the Bible says what that does, it just stirs it up more. Anger never takes care of the problem. It makes the problem bigger. It doesn't help the problem. 
Matter of fact, it might turn into even a more difficult problem that will not be able to be fixed. So I need to control my spirit regarding anger. Is it wrong to get angry? No, but it needs to be under control. Just like the tongue. I don't want to be an angry man. Because what happens is, Luke verse 22, it'll go from being an angry man to being a furious man. You see that in the verse? An angry man stirreth up strife and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. That means that anger is a stepping off point to a whole bunch of transgression and a whole bunch of sin in your life. Just getting mad. Getting furious. You've heard that word? You know, he's furious. She's furious. <laughs> that, that's, that's not a good thing. I need to be under control. So, how short is your fuse? Why are you mad? Why don't you take that to the Lord and help? let him help you with that so you will be slow to wrath and not easily for, provoked. If you fly off the handle, you know, you just you need to get some help from the Lord. Yeah. And everybody's got some kind of problem. Everybody's got some kind of and we pride ourselves in thinking, well, you know, they've got this problem and they've got, well, you know, we all got a problem. I mean, if this is your problem, okay, that's your problem. Let the Lord help you with the problem. Because there's a lot of people who's got anger issues. All right, verse 23. Control of our spirit regarding words, regarding anger. Verse 23, regarding our own personal pride. Verse 23, a man's pride, because that's also a spirit, a spirit issue, the proud in spirit. A man's pride, he says, shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So I need, I need to be in control of my spirit regarding pride. You say, how do you do that? You know, you need to be very sensitive to know when pride is rising up in your life, because it does in all of us. It's just not, everybody doesn't catch it about their self. You ever stop and say, boy, I'm getting proud again. I, I'm having thoughts I ought not have. I, I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking way too high. Or maybe I, I'm getting offended too easily. Yeah, those are, those are issues of the Spirit in regard to my pride. And so when we think about pride in our spirits, it says that pride... Goeth before destruction, he said over in chapter 16, verse number 18, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Our verse says a man's pride shall bring him low. If we don't control the pride that rises up in all of us, and some pride comes in different ways. There can be sinful pride, people bragging about this they've done. and There can be religious pride. There's all types of pride. It's not just one, one issue. And... Uh, so the answer to that is to control my pride, then I need to practice humility. He says, a man's pride should bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. I need to practice humility. I need to practice taking things that I feel like I'm above taking. Remember our message about what the real Christmas spirit was, and we preached about Jesus from Philippians chapter 2, and it's that humility of mind. You need to practice that. I, we all need to practice that. 
Do, thing, do things that you think are above you to do. Help somebody that doesn't deserve help. Take something that you don't deserve taking. All of that's part of humility. And all of that will help our pride issues. A man's pride shall bring him low. But humility, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Humility will hold, hold you up. A lot of people want, you know, what's going to hold my, my life up? This verse says, humility. He says, the, the hum, honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Honor will uphold a humble person. If you don't want things to fall apart in your life, you need to stay humble because honor will uphold you. God, it, he, 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 uh, he, he puts down the haughty, he puts down the pride, he debases the, the proud, and he exalts the humble. Humility is protection for your, for your life. And so we got to practice that. We got to practice that in so many ways. And we get so many opportunities every day to practice being like Jesus and humbling ourselves. And we usually fail at it, to be honest with you. Because uh, we're, we're not in control of our spirits to humble ourselves. He said in Isaiah 52, I'll just read to you. Isaiah 52, 15, God said an interesting thing. He talks about wanting to live with people that are humble. He talks about how how the Lord God is, is interested in dwelling with the humble people. And He's interested in, in inhabiting, in, in a habitation with them. So, honor shall uphold the humble. And by the way, that's how you know that there's so many people that aren't saved. You know you've got to be humble to get saved. God resisteth the proud. But giveth grace to the humble. We don't. We can't even get God's grace without humbling ourselves. And so the vast majority of people aren't saved because they are unwilling to humble themselves. It's not like salvation is God just passing out heavenly tickets and people just take them. No, the gift of salvation is a gift that humble people receive because they know they need it. And they know they're not sufficient in their selves. And they understand their own plight and their own sinfulness and their own guilt. God never saved a proud man. Not in that moment. <laughs> now we all have pride, but if you got saved, there's a time in your life you humbled yourself. And you voluntarily did it. Well, guess what? That doesn't happen just one time. We need to control our spirit and humble ourselves. And a lot of that's being obedient. You can always tell somebody's humble because they, they refuse to obey. They refuse to be told what to do. You can see rebellion. You're not telling me. And they raise up, you know, and they're arrogant and they're proud and they puff up. So we need to practice humility and control the spirit of our pride because it's going to bring us low. The fourth thing, Proverbs 29 and verse number 24 Whoso is partner with a thief, hateth his own soul, he heareth cursing and bereath it not. Now, this is what I call the control of our spirits regarding being at ease with wrong around us. In other words, we have a tendency in our spirit just to go along with things that are wrong. 
Oh, here's the thief. Well, it's none of my business. You know, there is such thing in the law as being an accomplice to a crime or accessory to a crime in the sense that if you were around and you knew about it and you didn't do anything about it, you are partner in the guilt. It's like a guy that knows this guy's got a gun, is going to shoot somebody. He doesn't do the shooting, but he sits there and watches or he, he, he drove the car. I mean, he didn't kill anybody. But he just went along with it. So the law says if you just go along with it, then you also go to jail. Because you're partner with the crime. And that's, that's true about so many things. So this is what the Bible says about this. He says if you're a partner with a thief, or if you're a companion of a thief, or if you just go along with these evil individuals, or if you hear, look, look at the phrase, then he talks about thieves, and then he talks about hearing. He heareth cursing and bereath it not. In other words, he just goes along with the stealing. He just goes along with the cursing, and he bereath it not. Bereath means that, you're, bereath is like a, a betrayal, or it's, it's like saying, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to be a part of this. Beret also means to make something uh, visible or to expose it. So what, what he's saying is, if you're unwilling to expose what is evil, if you are a companion to it instead of betraying it, saying, I'm not going to have anything to do with this, then you are partner with the problem. And he says that you hate your own soul by doing that. By going along with it. You're guilty by association. You heard it. You saw it. But you didn't do anything about it. And part of that is because in our spirit, we don't want to put ourselves out there to stand up against things that are wrong. We just want to be easygoing people. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to cause a problem. So if you're stealing something, that's your problem. If you're cursing, well, guys, and that's the way it is. And I know this cursing could have to do, there are many types of cursing in the Bible. But, I mean, we have such a cursing society. But, guys, we just go along with all that. We go along with it on our devices. We go along with it in... The job and society. How about saying, hey, that's my Savior. Don't use His name like that, please. But see, you've got to really be in control of your spirit to step out like that. Because everything about the spirit of man says, don't say anything. That's just the way the world is. Just go along with it. Cursing is just part of society. No, no, no. I don't want to be a partner with that. And I've told you even about the TV, how, how all of us need to work so hard at that. And there, there are devices for that and for movies. And, I, you know, you can, I can preach all day about certain things and people still going to watch shows and stuff. But at least get the clear play or the vid angel or something. So when you're sitting there watching something, your children don't think you're a partner with what's being said or done. And, and it's easy in the spirit just to let it go. See, that's where you've got to be in control of the spirit. Nope. We're not listening to that. We're not watching that. We're not doing that. See, that's me being in, in control of my spirit. And, and by the way, you know, that's so hard. 
when it comes to your family, people go along with things that their kids are doing. And God, when you got grown kids, you, you can't make them live a certain way, but you don't have to be a partner with it. Matter of fact, hold your finger right there. Look at Psalm 50. And it could, could be more than your kids. It could be your parents. could be your in-laws. could be whoever or your future in-law. No, I'm going to say that over here. But... <laughs> No, it could be it could be your friends. Guys, you know how people, if they have a friend and the friend's doing something wrong and, and they just in their spirit can't get enough gumption to say anything about it and they think they're being a good friend, but they're not. They're helping them in their problem. And they're a partner with it. Watch this. This is a, what a verse right before Psalm 51 with David uh, confessing his own adultery. And I never saw this verse in context with that. Psalm 50, verse number 18, which goes right along with our verse in Proverbs. Psalm 50, 18. When thou sawest a thief, then thou consentest with him and hast been partaker with adulterers. You know what? If you don't say anything about the adultery, then you're, you're going along with it. If you don't say anything about the thief and you consent to it, well, then you're part, you're partaker of that. You're part of the problem. So we need to be in control of our spirits to say, hey, you know, whether you're my family member, whether you're my coworker, whether you're my friend, hey, that, that's not right. I don't have anything to do with that. That's wrong. I can't stop what you're doing, but I'm not having part of that. And I don't want to listen to that. Whether it's a dirty joke or... Let me show you this on my phone. Or We're partakers of all those things. Or somebody in our immediate family, you know, shacking up or doing some other God-forsaken thing and we just don't say anything to try to keep the peace. No. Guys, that's not love. That's you protecting your own spirit and how you feel about things. People need to hear the truth. And you can do that in love. So controlling our own spirit and not being at ease with the wrong that's around us. Go back to our text. We only have really one more thing to point out here, but I do want to read verse number 27 because I think it goes along with verse 24. Proverbs 29, 27. An unjust man is an abomination to the just. Do you see that? And he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. Guys, let me clue you on something. If you love God and you love the Bible and you want to do right, the world hates your guts. They hate you. You're an abomination to them. You are the scourge of the world. You are what's wrong with the world. That's what that verse says. If you are an upright person, you are an abomination to this whole world that lies in wickedness. So here's the question. Why would I have affinity in my heart toward the people that hate my guts and I'm abominating? He says, no, it's the other way around. He says it's the same way. He says, an unjust man is abomination to the just. I can't stand that. Instead of just going along with it. Yeah. And of course, I could preach on a hundred things right there, but. We've got to get verse 25 to be done. The control of our spirit regarding words, verse 20. The control of our spirit regarding anger, verse 22. The control of our spirit regarding pride, verse 23. The control of our spirit 
regarding being at ease with wrong in verse 24. At verse 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. That's one of the salient verses of the Bible. That is a great verse in the Bible. The fear of man bringeth a snare. That's, that's one that you ought to put on your uh, memorization list. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So we need to be in control of our spirit regarding fear. You know, if you have a phobia or a fear, it's something that that God doesn't want you to have and that you can have control over. God doesn't want his children to live in fear. And the spirit of God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so if you live in fear, and there's, there's, man, there's people that have their germaphobes, you know, their fear of germs. There's people afraid of heights. There, there's a people, people that are afraid of the dark. There are people that are afraid of preachers. <laughs> there, there are people that are afraid of what others think about them. And the fear of man bringeth a snare. When we're afraid of man, it snares me, it ties me up, it binds me up where I can't even live my life. If you live your life with the fear of others, their acceptance or their rejection or whatever else. You, no, we need to live in one way and that's with Wanting to please God and have the fear of the Lord. I do care about what he thinks about me. I, I do care about how he views my life. I, I do care about what, what he considers. And if I measure up to where he wants me to be, yes. But the fear of man, it's just going to bring a snare. We've got, we've, got, we've got young girls that are trying to live up to other people's standards because they're afraid if they don't look pretty or they don't look like this, if they're not this way or that way. And they're so ensnared in their life because they're living in the fear of others and they just can't be themselves because they're afraid to be themselves. They're afraid to look like how God made them. They're afraid to live like how God wants them to live. Then you got all the peer pressure stuff. You know, some of that's in church, too, for adults, though. I mean, I, I guarantee you there are people that don't go to the altar because they're afraid of what somebody say about it. I have preached messages that I got through preaching a certain message, and it was so sensitive that nobody felt comfortable going to the altar. Because if they did, yeah, well, they've got that problem. You know, that's why lost people don't get saved. Because they're, they're afraid of what their buddies will think, their friends will think. The fear of man bringeth the snare. Whether it's the fear of the government or the fear of... Well, we've lived through all that fears with COVID and all that other mess. But just fear in general. You've got to be in control of your spirit not to get afraid. He says, what time I am afraid. He said this about, I told this to my kids when they get afraid, when they're little. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. That's the answer. So when the fear comes, nope, I'm going to trust the Lord. 
Because the same thing that is here in the daytime is here at the nighttime. It's not a different world or whatever the fear is. He said in our verse, the fear of man breathes a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So here's the contrast. Fear, snare. Faith, safe. You see that? If I'm afraid, here's the snare for my life. If I'm trusting God, if I'm believing God, then I'm safe. We have a lot of, in this society, people talking about, in this generation, talking about, I need a safe place, you know. And they even have these safe places at college, and I really don't even understand what that is. But if you go stand there, you're safe. And, but, you know, they decide, I just want to be safe. You know where the safe place is for your life? Listen, the safe place for your life is trusting God. That's what that says. That's wisdom. You say, well, trusting God. I don't have the answers. I hadn't figured it out. No, no, you trust the Lord. How many illustrations you have in the Bible that proves that verse? Abram, he was afraid of man. And two times, he let somebody take his wife. I don't know why she ever went back to him. You ladies think about that. He was afraid when he went into town and he let him take his wife because he's afraid. And yet, when he trusted God and he had faith, even when it was offering up his son, he was safe. Everybody was safe. Things get complicated when we don't trust God. And fear is the opposite of faith. So we need to be like Job and said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And I'm not going to fear man, but I'm going to fear the Lord, and I'm going to be afraid to sin, but I'm not going to fear man. Jesus said, don't fear him that can even kill you. Preacher, what if they put us all in jail, and what if they take our kids? And Don't be afraid of that. I'm not saying none of that's going to ever happen. You look at Joseph's life. <laughs> he looks a lot of ways, but you know what? I know? Joseph doesn't ever look afraid. <laughs> he just... If it was me, I'd be going, oh, Lord, God, help me out of here. Where's mommy? <laughs> he sold into slavery, let no mom in that. He didn't look afraid. He prospers. He steps up to the plate. Why? He trusts God. You want to be safe? Trust God.